Good morning, y'all. I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord. How many of you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Come on. I think I'm more excited than you guys, okay? I think heaven is more excited, right? I think we need to learn to be more exciting, right? We just got to be excited, you know, for God. And I think we've somehow lost our excitement somewhere during the COVID out of fear. And we just stopped learning to rejoice in the Lord. And I think once again, it's okay to rejoice in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, if you're waiting to go to heaven and rejoice, he's like started down here on earth. And then we take it with us. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm first of all so excited to bring God's word this morning. I was supposed to do it last week, but for some reason I lost my voice. So thankfully, I think I've doubled it up. Okay, so I think I've doubled it up thanks to our pastors, our wonderful, wonderful pastors that allowed me to rest and, you know, have the, 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 a place of, you know, just receiving. And how many of you know you need to receive before you give? It's very easy to give. It's, you give because you first received. Amen? So, you know what? Without further ado, I'm just going to straight jump into the Word of God and let's just open our heart. All right? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, all the way down through 46, okay? Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. I want you to say this after me, a mighty rainstorm. Come on, guys. I think heaven is speaking louder than this. We need to step up. A mighty rainstorm. How many of you are waiting for that? You just don't want to rain. You want a mighty rainstorm this morning. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the Mount Caramel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. I wish I could show you that, but I can't. We will see it in heaven someday. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Have you been there? Where you tell somebody my miracle's coming and they say, I don't see it coming. I don't see anything happening. It's happened to Elijah. Seven times, not one or two times, seven times, Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into the chariot and go back home. And if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. And then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Elijah is funny, isn't he? He really is. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard the story on and on in kids' church. Growing up, pastors love the scripture to preach on. It's a wonderful story, right? But the good thing about the Bible is that every time you read the story, you derive something new. And I think that's the place God wants to sit, wants us to sit in. Sometimes we know the beginning and the end. And so we go like, I know the story. Every time my daughter talks about Goliath and David, I'm like, for the nth time, I know how it ends. I know how it ends. But here's the problem. If God is the alpha and the omega, what's happening in between? 
Who is in charge of the between? It's easy for us to understand the beginning and it's always good to understand how it all ends. But it's in the middle, God opens the eyes of you and I to show you how those people position themselves to see a miracle happen. And no one wants to talk about the middle. Everyone wants to talk about in the beginning there was a Goliath. In the end, he died. But what happened in between matters for you and I. Now, I don't know about this, but many a times when someone tells you to pick a character from the Bible that you can relate with, I would definitely choose Leah, not because my name is Leah, but because I understand totally how Leah felt. We would pick up Esther. We would kind of pick up David, Paul, John, Peter. No one has ever said, I'm like Elijah. Because Elijah is a man of God. He's the prophet of prophets. You know what I mean? He prayed, the rain stopped, and he prayed, and the rain poured, and, you know, the chariots of horses carried him away. Yo, yo, Elijah is right there, and I'm just right here in my cocoon. But just like you and I, I think the scripture is telling us something very different about Elijah. Because if you read the Bible, it tells you in the book of James chapter 5 verse 17, it's going to come up on the screen. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Let me read the amplified version. I hope you understand that in Hebrew, it's not Elijah, it's pronounced as Elias. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three and a half years. Just like us? Elijah was just like me? What does that mean? Are you trying to say Elijah and I are the same? Yes. Yes. Because if you read the scriptures before that, the Bible says that a prayer of a righteous man is answered. The prayer of a righteous man is answered. And then he goes on to say, Elijah was just like you and me. And he prayed earnestly and he stopped the rain and he brought the rain. And if Elijah has to be something, wait, if I had to be anything like Elijah, I've got to learn just one thing. And that is to pray. And I want us to learn how to pray. Because many times we think we're praying and we don't see any results and we go like, oh, that prayer didn't work. God had other plans. No, God didn't have any other plans. I sometimes don't understand why people start with A and they end up with Z. They go like, oh, that was not meant for me. What if I told you it was meant for you, but you just didn't know how to bring it down? So many of us lost our blessings because we just don't know how to take, to receive, to then give. Because we have now judged God so much to a point that if it is not God's will, it won't come to me. But here's my point. The Bible says before you pray, I will what? I have already answered. Which means he already knows the answer before you even asked. So let me ask you a straight question. Did prayer really change God's mind? No, it doesn't. God had already known the finish before the start then what exactly is prayer? If he knew the start and the finish, what is he expecting me to do? Let me tell you something. I don't know either. 
But I know something this morning that's going to help us out. Is that okay? The Bible says he prayed earnestly. Let me just break that word down a bit. What does praying earnestly mean? It's praying till a change happens. Does that make sense? Pray till you see something happen. Pray till you see a result. Pray continuously and don't stop. Elijah knew that kind of a prayer. You see, the first time the servant came and said he didn't see anything, Elijah was like, maybe this is not God's will. And just walked off. Maybe it's not God's will to bring the rain right now. Maybe it's wrong timing. It's, my, it's like his timing over mine. So you know what? I'll just sit here and wait for you. Does it, do, you do you and I relate to that? Many a times I do. Because I feel like maybe, maybe it's my prayer that's wrong or the way I prayed for. Maybe what I'm praying for is not in God's will. Can you imagine for a second if Elijah quit? Oh, the earth would have died. Because he locked it with his own mouth. What if I told you, prayer is tied to waiting on God. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to break some vessels here this morning. Because it broke me. What if I told you, being patient or waiting on God is so different from being still. Oh, <laughs> That in itself should break everything because people thought being patient is being still in the Lord. They've misquoted the scripture a lot, a lot of times. You know what? Being patient means I just sit down and be still and know that he is God. Be still and do what? Listen, don't mix up being still with waiting on God. Because waiting and being still are two different things. Being still is literally, there are times when God expects you to be still. Don't get me wrong in that. Don't misquote me in here. I'm not saying don't be still. When he tells you to be still, please be still. Because you are hurry-burring and doing things and God wants you to be still. There's a lot of voices playing in your head. He expects you to be still. But being patient, being patient and waiting on God for a prayer, for an answer that you and I want requires waiting. And that waiting is so different from being still. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. Waiting. I just said it. It's difficult. It's very inconvenient. None of us like to wait. We wait for phone calls. We wait at the grocery lines and the store lines. Oh my gosh, that's worse. Why isn't this line moving? We're so focused on someone else's trolley in front of us. I'm like, seriously, do you need all these things? Like I've just got four things in my bag, God, quicken it up. Can someone just call, holler me and I would just move the sides and the rails and just move the side because seriously, God, be with that family. I, I'll do anything to speed up the waiting process. Because waiting is hard. It's inconvenient. I don't know personally of anybody who loves to wait. And yet that's one of the most important things that we spend most of our time in. We love to wait. How many of you know traffic is waiting? Hong Kong, that's when we know if you're true Christians. You'd beep, beep. You know, some of you don't even want to know the things they say when you're waiting. Oh, Jesus. All the fingers that God has blessed you with comes in place. It's raise up hallelujah, guys, not fingers. 
I put my music out loud so I don't see anything. I'm totally blind when I drive. I don't see my left and right. We see things we don't want to see. And Lord bless them. Waiting is not fun. Some waiting involves struggle. Because how many of you know we're waiting for our miracle? For a breakthrough, for a financial breakthrough. Waiting is hard. Waiting is inconvenient. I don't know anybody who loves to wait. But I want to change the perspective of waiting this morning. If you could turn to the book of Psalms 40. I want you to just read from verse 1 to 3. This is David right here. And he said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. The next verse reads, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Wait, I thought being patient is actually sitting on one side of the room with my, you know, frustrated face or like, you know, the constipated look. When we don't see a result happen, we are like, yeah, God is working miracles, guys. Some Christians, like unbelievers, don't even want to see our face because of the lies we tell them. That God expects me to just sit and wait. But this patience means something so different that you and I have never heard. David said that patience actually drew him into action mode than just sitting idle. It brought him a new song. It took him from the place of the miry clay and made him in a stand to place on the rock to stand, not sit down idle. I don't know if you know this, but balancing is not fun. Balancing is not staying still. Balancing means, you see what I mean? This is a, a movement. It's not easy to balance, but patience means to move. It means to move. The meaning of wait. Isaiah 40 verse 31 also tells us, but those who wait on the Lord, oh, and another translation says, for those who trust in the Lord, because waiting requires trust. Some of you don't know how to wait because you don't know how to trust. Boom. God is saying those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar high on me. I don't see a still position right there. It's not a pause button. The Bible is saying you're going to fly, you're going to soar, you're going to leap, and you're going to run. That is what patience is all about. David knew that. Isaiah knew that. Then who told us patience is to stay still? Jesus, help me. Because to wait is not about being still. It is to be active and still receiving. Now, many times I've heard people quote me the scripture. God is working in your waiting. Oh, that... Wow, what? God is working in my waiting. Yeah, I get that. But can you imagine for a second, Moses was waiting right in front of the Red Sea. And God, you work. In fact, the Bible says that God told Moses, what are you waiting for? What? Did you not realize what I was doing in the prayer room with you, with the staff? This is when you use it, Moses, because I'm out of the picture. Do what you need to do. This is not working and waiting. I wait, you work. What if I change the whole perspective? When God is working, you work. When God is waiting, you wait. 
God cannot work when you're waiting because he needs you and I in the process of the making. He involves you and me in the making. God is working in your waiting. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Because the Bible says, before you call, I will answer. Because before you call, I've already answered. Now, you know what? The Hebrew definition of waiting has got three meanings. And this morning, I would like to break that. Is that okay? Waiting is not what you think it is. My first meaning to waiting is kuawa. What did I just say? Kuawa is basically a Hebrew definition to wait. Where is that first time that you read that word? Is in the book of Genesis. Let me take that with you, okay? The word kuava means, can we go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 9 to 10? That's right. And I want you to read this with me, okay? And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so. You and I don't see the word wait here, do you? Do you? I don't. Well, what if I told you that the word, let the waters under the heavens gather. The word gather means to wait. The word gather means to wait. What was the waters waiting for? The first time something waited, it wasn't people. It was water. Did you know that? Man didn't wait first. It was the waters that waited first. And what God did with the waters was that he asked the heavens to be gathered together onto one place and let the dry land appear and it was so. Remember, to wait means to gather in one place. Even though I said you have to move around, it doesn't mean you don't work. To gather, how many of you know gathering your children in the car is difficult? Think about that when I say gather. It's not staying still. It's gathering your thoughts together in one place. It's gathering your emotions in one place. It's gathering all the promises of God in one place. What do you think Elijah was doing up the Mount Caramel when he asked Ahab to go party and feast? Wouldn't you want to join the party? He, would, he could have easily said, Ahab, you know what? I'm going to join the party too because it's going to rain. Let's all gather together in one place, in one accord. I'll tell you what went wrong. It wasn't one accord. Ahab's heart was so different from Elijah's heart. You cannot gather in a place that is completely not of God. Because if you do, you will start looking for answers that's wrong. You got to find yourself in a place. Find people who can pray with you. And if you're alone, that's okay. Your prayer closets work. That is what Bible says. Go to your prayer closets. It's gather yourself because many a times when you start the day, you're just set loose. You're everywhere. And God is saying, I want you to come in a place where I can talk to you. You know, I love my husband. Many a times what he does to me is, I, I, I multitask because I'm a woman, of course. And so I tell him, honey, I can hear you even when I'm cutting. No, 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 no. I want you to sit down with me. Alwyn, I'm cutting and I can still hear you. I'm changing nappies and I can still hear you. I can still vacuum and still hear you. No, Leah, I want to gather you in one place so you can hear my thoughts right. And to this very day, if someone asks you, what's the secret of our marriage? 
It's gathering together in one place when we need to do the talk. Sometimes it's important to let loose of all the things that you're doing and gather in one place to hear it right. To hear it right. To gather. Now here's a question. What do you think the waters were gathering for? Let me tell you, anytime you gather in one place, you will find a purpose. What the waters wanted was to find purpose. What do I mean by that? The same waters that God created became sky, became sea, became a living place for animals, and including for humans, water. We needed to drink to be replenished. How many of you knew what water could do? If you could just look at the science behind your own body, 70% of our body is full of water. I wonder if it's because the water obeyed God in the right place at the right time. It became the most important thing for human beings to even survive. The reason why you and I come patiently to wait on the Lord is to find purpose. Some of you don't even know what you're waiting for. You're like, yeah, I'm actually praying for God to heal my sickness. I'm just calling out something here. We're praying to God for a miracle. We don't really see the purpose behind why God brought that. And people go like, God didn't bring that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know that. God will never bring sickness. Yes, he wouldn't. But he was there when that happened. And he knows it's happened. But how do we come out of it? We've got to find purpose. How can you find purpose in cancer? How can you find purpose in depression? Look up. Look up to God. That in itself should help you find the purpose as to why and what brought you there in first place. No one sometimes knows why we wait. So the first meaning of waiting is to gather, to gather, to be fruitful. Some of you, let me tell you one thing. In your waiting season, you've forgotten to be productive. You've forgotten to become fruitful. I've heard the story many times where Jesus walked by the tree and he cursed a tree just like that. And the reason that the tree had to go was like, it's not my season to bear fruit. Because I'm waiting on the season. Cursed are you. You will bear no more fruits again. Be careful when you tell people, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on God. Because it's a mockery. That's a mockery. Because the Bible that I know, it produces fruits. It brings new songs. It gives birth to new things. Even in the process of waiting, don't be barren. If you're waiting and if you're barren, that means you're not really rejoicing, but you're really depressed. Find someone to pray for you. Don't live in that area where you think after three and a half years, yes, it will rain. I'll definitely see a fruit. No. If it's not happening now, it's not going to happen later. Don't put a timeline on the waiting. My second thought on wait, the Hebrew definition, not mine. To wait, is me, it means, is to have hope. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 6, 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtains into God's inner sanctuary. I got a confession to make. I don't know anything about boats. Not got into one, I have no idea what a boat does. Seen it going around the sea, that's awesome. See you there, man. Enjoy the sharks while you're there. 
I don't do boats. But one thing I know about boats is that it's as important it is to learn to steer, it's also important to stabilize. Another thing about what I'm really trying to say is, it's a good thing to get the boat moving forward, but it's also important to keep the boat steady. If you want to be a good person, and if you really want to do good on a boat, it's not all about just moving forward, but it's also to learn to stabilize. And how do we stabilize? How do we steady a boat? It's throwing your anchor at the right time, at the right place. The further you venture out in the ocean, the more deeper the anchor goes down. But here's the question this morning. Where is your anchor? Have you set out to become a Christian without actually packing up properly? Why did God say, be ready in all season? Marinate yourself during those times. Because you never know when you're going to go into the oven. There's a joy when you get marinated in the freezer, right? Pull it out, just cook it right away. You don't have to wait. But that's our Christian walk too. God wants you to be marinated in the word of God. Not in the lies of the enemy. Not what the news channel tells you. Not what people think, this is what I experimented and it worked. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord always. The Bible says, where is your anchor? The anchor is God, his word, his promise. Throw your anchor down, not your self-confidence and insecurity. And people are throwing the anchor in the wrong place. You know, my insecurity, my fear, my thing, my problem. No, God said, throw your anchor into my, God, into my word, into my promise. Then the boat will learn to balance on its own. Many times, I don't know about this, but anytime we start praying, the reason why we don't see any results is because we have, not, we have come anchorless. Every Sunday we come anchorless. You know, Sunday is like literally going for a boat ride. Monday, we tell you to take lead. Oh, I've not learned to ride this board myself. What were you doing on a Sunday? I just saw my pastor ride the board and he looked cool. It worked for someone else. It didn't work for me because it's difficult when you put your hands on the steering wheel yourself. That's when you understand what went wrong. Did you come all prepared to go and venture out? As a Christian, many times, I've seen so many people put their hands up ex expecting and accepting Jesus as their personal savior. The Bible said, accept. But in the venture, during, on your way, God tells you to forgive. God tells you to buy. God tells you to sacrifice. God tells you to give. God tells you to obey. You just don't understand all these words because they sound like Greek and Latin anytime he says, you know, obey. What is the Hebrew definition again? Oh, to love. Simple as it is, just love. But we just want to break the definition down of love. You will love if you trust. And he says, just don't venture out without a proper anchor. And many times, I don't know what we've put a hope in. The problem in Christian world is not the fact that they don't have hope. It's because of, it's actually who you put your hope in. Or what you put your hope in. On the TV, on medicines, on the scientist, on the banker. Put it on God. Put it on God. He's my anchor. The Bible says if you do find your, 
the, your hope is like literally the anchor for your soul. Hallelujah. Hope believes in the face of unbelieving. Hope establishes what hopelessness extinguishes. Where are your anchor? And do you know how to use them this morning? Elijah had so much hope. Even when the answers were no, I don't see anything. I'm not seeing a rain. I'm not seeing a clouds gather up together. What he said was, what he tried to, in, in other words, tried to imply to the sermon was, I've got so much hope, man. You keep going. How much fuel do you have in your car to wait on God's promise? Because if you ran out of fuel, go back and refill it. Don't go like God didn't want me to drive this car. It's another car now. Some of us don't understand that's how sometimes we walk in hope. We take this car on a drive. And for some reason, the fuel starts indicating that, you know, you need to refill. And we don't listen to that tank. I can still go. And then we somehow have a breakdown somewhere on the side of the road. And then we come with this conclusion. This car was not meant for me. That made you laugh. But that's exactly how we pray when we need something. And that is why I told you many times we didn't get what we wanted because we didn't know how to use the car. Where is your hope this morning? My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the word. My hope is in God's promise. And if you have walked without the anchor, it's okay. It's okay. We're here to help you with that too as well. Let's find the anchor. My last point this morning is wait to stay expected. Expected. Wait means to stay expected. That is unbelievable because the book of Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 20, you know, when Jesus started doing miracles all around, the disciples of John the Baptist came to him saying, are we really expecting you? Are you the expected Messiah? That word expect is really to wait. Are you the person we were waiting for, expecting for? Here's a question. In your waiting process, what exactly are you expecting for? Here's a good question to ask further. When I'm praying for a car, do you really think the answer is the car? Elijah was praying for the rain. Do you think the answer was the rain? Because let me tell you something. The servant boy didn't see rain. What exactly did he see? He saw the hand, a size of a hand of God come. Let me put it this way now. If your answer doesn't spell J-E-S-U-S, what you're praying for is never going to be answered. Period. Every question has only one answer, and every question will lead to only one answer, and that answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. For those of you who have got a sickness and an ailment in their body, the answer is not healing. It's the healer. 
The person who's confused and wanting depression to walk out of their body really is not really looking for salvation, but rather the savior. If you're looking for a redemption, you're wrong. It's the redeemer. What are you looking for? Because the answer, if it's not tied down to Jesus, you've got this whole equation wrong. Because Jesus is the answer to it all. And through Jesus and with Jesus, all things are possible. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have it all. Elijah knew if he saw the hand, he would bring the rain. Come on now. He wasn't, asking, he wasn't asking servant, can you see if the rain is up? The servant boy just said, you know what, I see the hand of God. You know what Elijah said, come, that's it, the party's over. He didn't say, I need to see the rain come for me to just jump out and go like, hey, hey, it's raining now. He said, did you see a hand? That's all it is, man, my prayer's answered. Okay, let's go. Some of us need to have that faith on a Sunday. You know, you come here for a prayer. You've come here for something and you still haven't seen your miracle because like, Pastor, I've been praying for three and a half years. I haven't found a, a spouse just yet. You're looking in the wrong place. The guy you're looking for, his name is Jesus. Pastor, you've been praying for my bank account. I'm not seeing a figure. Really, because the figure is really Jesus. Pastor, I've not seen this. I've not seen that. The answer is Jesus. Because if everything that you're praying for is other than Jesus, it will lead you to death. It will lead you to wanting more. Because there is nothing more than Jesus. He satisfies your soul. And if you haven't, you overflow. <laughs> you overflow. That's why I said keep your joy. Some of us know how to stop laughing and, and just being serious. Like, we've learned it. When the queen comes all of a sudden, all the fear and the depression just goes, and we just know how to do a courtesy bow. When the rock star comes, we just go like, yeah, we know how to party with that. When pastor comes, we go like, yeah. Or when Jesus comes, oh, Lord, yes, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. We know how to change. We know how to change our mood. We know how to play and change the atmosphere. But you don't know how to change the atmosphere of your prayer life. What if I told you there's an atmosphere in your prayer life that you can change? Gossips would stop the moment you learn how to pray. Gossip stops the moment you know how to pray. Because you're not going to be talking about what you didn't get. You'd be talking about the one who saved you. Some of us just stop putting God in debt. He's not going to be in debt whether you try to put him in there or not. He didn't heal me. Yeah, well, it's not on him. He's definitely healed you. I know for a fact that I'm healed. You are healed. I'm saved. You are saved. I'm redeemed. You are redeemed. This is the promise. No matter what questions life throws at you, don't change the answer. Anytime you're in trouble, say, Jesus. Someone tells you, you know what, you're rude, Jesus. Someone tells you, you know what, you're, you've got this cancer. Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've heard stories. I've heard stories of people robbing people. And the moment that woman looks at the person who's trying to steal, she just says, Jesus, they run. Some of us need to learn to run like how Elijah ran. There are some things I would love to do what Elijah did. Like, you know, getting your face in between your knees and praying. The next thing, the last thing that he did was really was... He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. I want you to picture this, all right? Have you seen horses? 
You know how fast the horses run? It's not one. A chariot doesn't have just one horse. Stay with me. I want you to understand this, all right? You're in a kneeling position, and it's not just a kneeling position. <laughs> a position where your head is in between your knees, almost like giving birth. This is the position that Elijah was doing. He knew he was expected with the baby. So he had to get down in the position of a delivering stage. And he was pushing at something that he couldn't see, that he wanted his servant to see. That is what waiting does, my people. If you're not expectant, you will not see the result. The question is, what are you expecting? Not the car, not a full bank balance, because you'll still need more things after that. Be expectant of the Savior, Jesus, in your woman. Still keep pushing, keep pushing. And you know, this is what Elijah did. Now, I want you to picture this. It was not one time, two times, three times. For seven times, the man of God was sent. You got to imagine maybe this was two and a half, three and a half hours of position. After being in such a position, can you imagine? Can, I can't even stand up now. Right. Imagine running. Imagine running. And you know what? He didn't just simply run ahead of Ahab. He beat the horses. How do you do that? You were in that position. You weren't even doing any warm-ups. You just ran. You ran and beat so many horses. The Bible says God gave him a supernatural strength. You missed that, didn't you? The Bible says he got supernatural strength and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Here's a man who was partying, having fun, when this man knew how to wait, hope, and give birth to something that was his and he ran ahead. If you're slowing down and if you're learning to compete with someone else, you've got it wrong. Your competition doesn't start Comparing yourself with people, your competition starts in the prayer closet. Start there right, you will finish right. This is what Paul meant, run the good race. This is what Paul meant by running the good race, not by pulling someone down when they're running. Yeah, see your sneakers? Yeah, I go down, man. God, constant comparison. We don't want anyone else doing good. I want God to bless me. I mean, I've been waiting in the line for like three hours now. Not my fault that your shopping trolley is full. He needs more grace. He maybe needs more grace. Have you thought of it that way? You know, when I had to stand in line, I definitely used that time to pray and connect. He or she needs more grace. I've learned one thing. When I try to break the line when I'm driving, it's always an accident. Stay in your line, even if you have to wait. Because a person in front of you needs more grace. Now, you will raise up hallelujah. Amen? Prayer. Prayer is about waiting. Waiting on the Lord. This morning, if you've learned something, it's not just about praying. But it's also about waiting. And waiting has got three processes. The first point of waiting is to find purpose on what you're waiting for. The second is to put your anchor, your hope on God. Because only waiting on God is going to produce results. Finally, what are you pushing? 
You've been pregnant and waiting for like three years and I still don't see a stomach. You can look at a nine-month-old lady and say she is, she's really ready to push. But some of us are like, no, I want to see the result happen. No, wait for nine months. When you're ready to push, you sit down and kneel like Elijah and push that baby out. Push that baby out when it's time to push. Some of us stop just waiting on God because of frustration. And if your frustration was because your answer was not Jesus, then you might as well change the question now. I remember when I was abused as a child, I had so many questions I wanted to ask this God when I first saw him. I had a list of questions I wanted to ask him. Why did you allow a six and a half year old child to go through all that turmoil and pain? None of you know my story here, but I was abused very early in my life. And the first thing I wanted to do when I was 19 was ask God a lot of questions whenever I saw him. And I tell you what, when I, when I was 19 and when I actually experienced God, I could not even ask him one question because it was nothing but the light and the light said his name and answered all my questions. I dare you to ask one question to God because you will fail. I tell you that. You read the book of Revelation, many times John was tapped on the side to look up because he couldn't look up. That's how our God is. He's so pure, so holy, so righteous. And such a loving God. A heavenly father who cares about you more. So please don't tell me he has gone, he's unanswered you or he's failed you. Because my God has never failed anybody. And he won't stop now. And he won't stop with you. Trust in the Lord. Wherever you are right now. If it's okay. Let's just lift our hands up. And if you want, and if you're still okay, please stand up. Wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I've waited. I've waited for too long. But what I've learned this morning is I waited wrong. Teach me to wait in the right way. My Father, Yeshua, Abba, all I'm asking is that the same patience that you have given me over the years of not losing hope and having faith in you, Lord. I pray that you would pour it out to every single soul that's here and listening to me this morning. Wherever they are, there is no distance in the kingdom. Teach them heavenly patience. Teach them heavenly waiting on you, God. Let them never think that their prayers were unanswered. Let them never think that you failed them. But Father, is it because we quit early? Because someone else couldn't see the miracle? Teach me to still hold on to the fact that I'm pregnant. Pregnant with your word with your promise, when no one else can see it, I know slowly my stomach is growing. And when the right time comes, just like in the story of Elijah, unless the cloud is full of rain, it will not pour. Oh, Jesus. 
God was, Elijah was filling up the clouds, filling up the clouds, filling up the clouds as he was praising God in new tongues and new songs. And in faith, he was filling up the clouds. And when the clouds were all ready and full and couldn't take anymore, the Bible says everyone else saw that it's about to rain. You know what's funny? Someone else is going to see your miracle before you do. And they're going to see it for you. So if you're thinking, why is my eyes failing? It's because your eyes were meant to dig down deep under the word of God while someone else is going to come and tell you your miracle is here. I don't know about you, but I could never see my down and I was pushing a baby. The nurse kept telling me the baby's coming, the baby's coming. Really? The baby's coming. Push, 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 Leah. I didn't see my child make it, but someone else did. And that's what happens when you're waiting. Someone to your left and right, someone here right now is seeing your miracle. I want you to prophesy that over somebody you're standing with. Come on. Turn to your left or right to somebody and say, I see your miracle coming. I see the hand of God. I see the hand of God that is bringing provision. I see the hand of God that's bringing healing. I see the hand of God for your healing. I see God. I see God's hand bringing the rain. If it's barrenness, God is opening that womb. If it's barrenness, even in your work area, God is bringing fruits. Come on. Thank you, Lord. If you're barren because of the hurt that people put on you, I'm seeing fruits. I'm seeing fruits. You're a superstar. You're shining. Shine for Jesus this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just want to take this time to thank you for using me, your vessel. I am nothing, but I'm everything with you. And Jesus, I thank you that you're here. And for all of those who are watching me today, I pray your blessings would go through these cameras, God, and reach out to the couches and the beds and places wherever you are, even in your workplace. I see a miracle come through. Don't lose hope. Hold on to that anchor and throw it down at the right place and you will see hope arise. You will see your miracles come. Let me tell you one thing. Go meet people because they will witness your miracle this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Give love a loud sound of applause for our God this morning. He is good. He is good. And he's still doing miracles. He's not stopped. He's not resting. He is working. He is working. You are working. I'm working. Let's work together. Amen. Amen. Isn't our God good? Yes. Isn't our God good? Yes. Can you see the hand of God? Yes. I don't know about you, but I want you to close your eyes for a second. Come on. Close your eyes. Over this week, I'm prophesying God's hand. Your workplace might not see this, but someone is seeing this right now. The hand of God is coming over you, over your family, over your children, over your finance, over your health, over your, any condition that you really want a miracle from. You see the hand of God? Don't ever forget that picture because that will bring the rain. Amen? I told you get ready for a mighty rainstorm this morning. 
It wasn't just a rain. We are not named by mistake called Dampo Church. We love an outpour. We love a damper. We love a mighty rainstorm thunder. Bring it on. You know, I don't know if Alan has told you this, but every time we go for item ministry anywhere on planet Earth, it rains. It definitely rains. You know, for some people, they stop the meeting. We're like, what are you saying? The party just started. Don't let the rain stop you. In fact, learn how to tuck it under and run like Elijah did. You ready to run this week? I love you guys wherever you are. Bless you and God bless you. Thank you so much.